I would like to be mean this episode. Okay. I would also like to be mean. Great. I don't... Nope, I do just like this episode. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I feel like I need to be honest off the bat. I don't dislike this episode, but I do dislike early Rossi. Pretty much like until his thing happens, he's kind of a dickhead and a half. He's kind of a dick. Not even kind of. He's <laughs> just a dick, actually, is the thing. The problem with this episode is that it's incredibly cringy, and I cringe so hard. This Every time I watch it, I hate watching this episode. Sorry, I'm looking at our notes, or the notes that you have made for this, and you do have that the retired badge is just a pic of some Italian guy. I'm sorry, that is Joe Montagna. Is it? That's super definitely Joe Montagna. He just doesn't have so. the, uh, the, the goatee. I... I Honestly, That's I don't definitely believe Joe Montana. I'm so sorry. It's 100% Joe Montana. I don't believe you. Look at him. That's Joe Montana. That is you some guy in a turtleneck. Some Italian guy. Joe Montana is some Italian guy. That is just some other Italian guy. That's definitely Joe Montana. I will agree to disagree. <laughs> I don't believe you. No, I, I, I don't. Okay, I like the episode. I don't like watching it. <laughs> this episode is really important for a lot of big plot reasons that I, in the end, don't really give a shit about. Yeah. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. They do give, give us, it is one of the rare times they give us a specific date. And. Right, it's Halloween. And. All of the shit that he sets up pays off. All yes. of it does. So you have to give them credit for like actually doing a setup payoff just this once and not just having unspecified trauma that goes unheeded, yes. you know? I will say though, I am gonna take points from them because when Rossi's on the phone with the guy, oh wait, never mind. Well, he says like I looked through the footage. Like you, you would have known because of when you went that the policeman was coming at a certain time. So, like, you were probably in the precinct with her when he said that. And so, I went back, and they don't show him in the background. Do you remember? Was it? It well, was that the was Max fully Ryan. just that was fully right. just that Rossi lying bullshit. Yeah, that was fully. That he admits that that was fully his shit. So. But, like, the guy freaks out like he was at the police station. So I was, like, hoping they would still, like, put him in the background. I don't know. Do you remember that episode with Max Ryan? Yeah. Where the unsub is in, like, every shot? Yeah. That was good. That was good. That was good. Uh, I was and hoping we he'd be just in this had too. a good episode with uh, seven seconds. Yeah. This, again, this isn't a bad episode, and it just gives me, like, second-hand embarrassment. Like, the scene where he's like, you're a loser to the unsub is, like, so difficult for me to watch. But, like, other than that... Really? <laughs> That's... That... Usually I suffer from acute second-hand embarrassment. Sometimes I do just need to, like, pace in my living room while watching an episode. This episode does not trigger it for me. A lot no, of other episodes episode... do, but this one does not get me. 
This one just makes me cringe. I don't know what it is about this episode. I just don't like it. Don't like watching it. Do you think it is hurt because it comes right after second seven seconds and then also like two episodes before Penelope like do you think it it suffers Mm. because it is between two really good episodes and it's just like average I I don't think so you know I think it would it's actually more effective you know because seven seconds we see the team working seamlessly and we talked about how like they don't have to overexplain. They know what everyone is thinking. They're really on their shit. So to go from that to like all of a sudden, old like one of the teammates is doing sucks. things without telling them, right? Like yeah. all of a sudden, like they're out of control because of this new dynamic. I think it's good to come after seven seconds. It really shows how much this new teammate is like throwing a wrench in things. Okay. I just, okay. I just have a hard time when he starts yelling like a weirdo. Old man yells at Cloud. Yeah. Yeah. It it just it feels so bad. This episode feels. This is like a we're on a roller coaster right now because we have Truly. seven seconds and then we have this. We have about face and then we have identity, which is a Oof. wild episode that is really good to me. And then yes. you have like. Lucky, and then you have Penelope, and then yeah. that's another peak, and then you go down and you have True Night, and that's another oh. low. Like we're God. very much on a, <laughs> on a roller coaster, but like in the best way. Yeah, like you get punched seven ways to Sunday every episode of season three. Like there are so many. Like it is so. Yeah. God, True Night is another one that's, like, hard for me to watch. True Night is also hard for me to watch. But it's another really well-written episode. Yeah. Like, it actually works, and it does some really good, like, allusions, and it, like, references what it says it's going to reference, and it's very good. I like the show. You know what else I like? Our theme song? The theme song. Listeners, welcome back to Wheels Up. It's a Criminal Minds podcast. I'm James. And I'm B. And this week we are talking about season three, episode six, about face. And we're gonna be really mean. We're gonna be really mean to the elderly. AKA David Ross. Honestly, elderly hate crimes this week for sure. <laughs> This is certainly one of the episodes of all time. Yeah. But not in a good way. It's an episode. (laughs) It's certainly an episode. This is certainly an episode of season three, and it is... It would be, like, the least memorable episode of season three if it's not... If it wasn't Rossi's introduction episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Scared to Death still takes that place. So Scared to Death is still least memorable episode of season three. Congratulations! Okay. So, it is October 27th. Rossi. Wait a minute. That's impossible. Rossi comes in to see Hodge 
or to see Strauss then immediately starts working, which means that this scene takes place on October 29th. But that's impossible because the girl gets taken on October 27th. But that scene comes after the Rossi scene. Maybe they just, um, can I be so honest? Maybe his first day of week of work was just on a Monday. Like he saw her on a Friday and then he started on that Monday. I was going to say like, maybe he came in and was like, I'm coming back to work. Have me a badge. And she's like, it's going to take two days. Yeah. That's probably what it was. He like made the call and she was like, that's cool and all. I do still have to do your paperwork. Wait two days. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Because, like, when he has the meeting with her, she, like, gives him a badge and everything. And I was like, that's fast. So, yeah, okay. Okay, fine. It is October 27th. Rossi is out. Sorry. It is October 27th, 2007. It's a Tuesday. Rossi is out hunting ducks with a shotgun. And he has a dog named Mudgy, who will literally never be seen or mentioned again. Ever. At all, ever. Can I say something fun? I realized that, I realized this right now, is we get introduced to Rossi while he's hunting birds, and Gideon is, like, number one bird guy. I do think that's funny. They're like, these two old men hated each other. (laughs) But they didn't. I never thought about that. But also, I think maybe at the end, they kind of might have, you know the deal. They're both very good at identifying birds. Because just for Gideon just loves them and Rossi like different killing them. Yeah. Yeah, but he has a hunting dog named Mudgy, who literally I hope you enjoyed seeing him on your screen. Because that's it. <laughs> those uh, those ten seconds of screen time are all Mudgy's ever gonna get. That's all sorry, Mudgy. Yeah. He's in Virginia, it doesn't matter where. Okay, can we talk about this phone call? He answers it and goes yeah, Strauss, I'm coming in this afternoon. Can And she's like, I have a meeting. And he goes, well, cancel it. Bye. And he hangs up. I love the idea that he left a message that was like, hey, it's David Rossi. Could you call me when you get a chance? And she calls him and he goes, I'm coming in. Cancel your plans. <laughs> Bye. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I guess. I guess. You couldn't have left that in your message? Shit. So, yeah. And then we see him getting ready. He has like a big award. He puts on a suit and like he puts on a suit and like smooths his mustache. Fucking like Italian stallion style. <laughs> we see his badge that has like retired stamped on it in big red letters. I like that they let him gone. keep it. <laughs> yeah. Why Why you, keep- okay. I was going to say something about that. Then I was like, maybe I'm the stupid one. <laughs> Why does he still have his badge? I don't understand. Why did they stamp the cards and then put them back in his little badge holder? For what? For what? And then he he already has a gun. Did he keep his service weapon? Yeah, like, don't you get your gun in your badge? Like, why does he have a That's gun That's a big ready? deal. I don't Turn know, maybe it works differently gun. for rich dudes. Probably does. Yeah, well, probably. Anyway. He has a bracelet with three charms on it. And then he has a letter from an unnamed president. And I screenshotted it so you could see. But it literally, like, you can read the whole letter. And then as soon as it gets down to, like, the name, it, like, blurs out. And you can't <laughs> actually read which president's name it is. So and then they do uh, like, that, like, rack of, like, focus where it goes line. from the glass of the letter to, like, his face. Which I, honestly, good shot. I love a good rack focus. 
You know, it's funny. It's just like this ultimate timeline. Like Rossi has joined us in our second timeline for the president is unknown. He's also only a special agent and not a supervisory special agent. How much do you want to bet supervisory special agent is some shit that they only started after he left? Oh, probably. And that's why he Emily is, is a supervisory special agent when he's back. That makes sense. Also, like, okay. I know that he's, like, replacing Gideon. But, like, why does he get a whole ass office? What is his... Isn't he just also just a profiler? Yeah. So why does he have an office? He never uses it for anything. Why does he have an office? Give Give JJ JJ a bigger office. office. Instead of that tiny corner piece of shit she has. Literally. Give her shelving. Please. Okay. Okay. We see... There's also, like, very important... There's very important music playing through all of this. But when the scene with Strauss and Rossi starts, they're like clearly have been just sitting there staring at each other for like a hot minute. <laughs> and it's so funny too, because you can imagine <laughs> how long can you stare at another person in the face without breaking out into laughter? It's not that long for me. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> if I'm sitting physically across from another person, mm-hmm. I don't count. I'm autistic. Oh well. Sorry about Yeah, sorry. With this, I can't tell you. The answer is just... either immediately or ten hours. So <laughs> it's just so weird to me that they're just no, so staring at each other. It's Can like, we also... okay, we get it. You fuck. I don't... What do you want me okay, to say? Okay, so here? like, minor spoiler alert, I guess. But Ross and Straussy... <laughs> Is that their ship name? Straussy. <laughs> cursed, cursed, cursed. <laughs> Strauss and Rossi do start, you know, boning. Mm-hmm. eventually it's like a whole thing but they actually um, have apparently a very good relationship and like a very important relationship oh yeah, no. beyond just it's boning. pretty cute but, but it's like so funny to see them in this scene where strauss is like are you trying to like use your man energy to intimidate me like what is it's happening so funny she is so like she does not give a shit about this man's authority or his energy or anything she's just like so you're coming in to be a subordinate for why? It's so, like, truly, I love her in these, this, like, scene, these two scenes, where she's literally like, you want to work here? Why? I mean, okay. <laughs> and then she goes with Rossi to Hotch's office, and Hotch and Rossi are like, hey, how's it going? And then they just look at her, and she's like, Okay, well, bye. <laughs> Just leaves. I was like, absolutely, Strauss, as you should. <laughs> She's like, this is weird. Goodbye. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. So we do learn in this scene, though, that Rossi has been retired for 10 years, and he's written a bunch of books, and he's done tours, and he's, like, super famous now, and he's going to come in to help, and then she gives him his badge. That's important. Remember that he was retired 10 years ago, Okay. Wait, 10 yeah. years though? Yeah. How long no. has Hodge been at the BAU? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Did I? Did I? Uh... Not only, not only is this telling us that Hatch has been at the BNU for ten years, but he says, "Remember when you know you were here ten years ago, and we were with two other agents in that god awful bunker." Yeah, which means that they didn't even have the bullpen ten years ago. Well, that's also, like a very key part of BAU lore, isn't it? Is that they started in like the basement somewhere? Right, because like nobody want, nobody believed in it. Nobody wanted them to like, you know, do interview serial killers. They didn't think, yeah. yeah. So it's like somewhere in the last few years, they have been given a floor, which is fine. But you have to think about how like. Reed has been with the BAU for like at least five years mm-hmm. and he never mentions being in a basement. So what it sounds like to me is that Rossi left and Gideon was like, oh, thank God, one less person. Anyway, give us the entire sixth floor. But they <laughs> don't control the entire floor, do they? Yes. Because their bullpen is not that big. Like, they, it's them and some other agents, but is it all BAU? So, or is it a bullpen a that has all the BAU agents, and then the BAU are the ones who get the offices, and it's just a bullpen for everybody else? That's what doesn't really make sense, because if you look at... I've shown you the blueprints, mm-hmm. right? You know, the other option is that there's, like, another set of elevators, like the back the butts go up to the butt of the elevators we see. So it's like there's more on like the other side. But no, they have the entire floor. There's you walk in, you have That's Garcia's office. That's such a small floor for a government building. Yeah, for like I know. Quantico. And they show us. Yeah. So I think they must have like a singular tower or they have like special elevators that only go to the BAU section. Because we've seen the floor plans. You walk in, Garcia's office is to the left, down the hall, there's some bathrooms. There's the bullpen, which has the briefing room and Hatching Rossi's office and then the little kitchen. And then if you go to the left, JJ's office is that first door. And then we are guessing there's like a locker room or something down the way. And that's it. I would think maybe there's like two sides to it. I wonder if that like left where JJ's office is, I wonder if that left goes down and then you can go to like another bullpen or something because that just seems like so small for a government for like quantico you know like that's entirely government stuff like my fucking little corporate shitty office is bigger than the bau sixth floor i i think and what i'm gonna say is that they have a set of elevators that That only goes to the BAU. bau And then there are there are more that go to like the other side of the sixth floor. Yeah, I wonder if it's that situation where like you need to get on the right side of the elevators to get out there. Mm, oh, like it opens up both sides. Yeah, or there's just like four elevators. Yeah, I think it has to, to be something like that. Something like that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, you're completely correct. But it's like Anyways. in the past ten years they've like also, oh, 10 years ago was 1997. So, yeah. So Bush became president and he went, you know what? You can have the whole floor. 
Republicans notoriously love giving government more money. <laughs> I know. No, it's like, it's such a weird, the timeline is such bullshit. And also he's like, we have a jet now, which means like they got the jet in the past like five or six years. Here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Turn of the century, BAU gets some part of the bullpen and right. a few offices. Maybe it's just like one office and then like the bullpen or whatever. And then they sort of like grow out to expand that because they have space now. But they also, all those agents don't work with the BAU that are in the bullpen half the time. So I think that must just be some sort of like general use bullpen that the BAU has just kind of like claimed their part of it. So they get that and they've had that for like seven, eight years now. And then the plane is a recent development. (laughs) But that also like will be retracted because... Rossi at some point will say that, or Gideon's already said it, at some point one of the two of them says, like, we had to fight for the jet to get a jet, you know? So, like, that's also not, I wonder like, if they fought and then lost, and then years later they had Hotch, king of the, uh, king of the internal business proposal, and he was like, we need a jet for X, Y, and Z reasons, and then wrote the best goddamn proposal that the world has ever seen, and then they got the and jet. That's, and that's why Gideon went, you know what, why don't you just do all of the unit chief things? You're good at that. Yeah. You know, I'll he be the formal unit chief. saw this paperwork expert and was like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see. I, no, it doesn't make any sense. Ten years ago, you're joking. Hotch, what, like, his timeline is already ago. so tenuous. His timeline is already so shitty. But it does tell us that, like, so Rossi says later, I have been doing this since before you weren't, or since before you graduated high school and before some of your team members were even in high school, which does tell us that Hotch is supposed to be, like, in his 40s and his birthday is, that they show us his birth year is bullshit. <laughs> I hate this show. <laughs> Yeah. Although I, I think, okay, listen, in my old age, as I near 30 myself, yeah, I'm kind of realizing that like for a show like this, it doesn't really matter how old people are. No, exactly. <laughs> you have to walk back like my stance on things, but like, does it matter? It matters to us. It does not matter to the internal consistency of the show because the show doesn't give a fucking shit. I also think that, like, the older you get, and you'll realize this one day. Wow, are you fucking (laughs) preaching at me in your big age? I am. No, it's like once you hit a certain point, age is not, like... It doesn't matter. Like, the difference between, like, 35 and 45... When you're working together like that, like, you know, Emily and Hodge, like, it doesn't matter that there's, like, a 10-year age gap there, you know? Like, who cares? Oh, for sure. And especially in a work setting, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. So I think that's why, like, yeah. Man, do I wish our timeline would make sense, huh? (laughs) I do. I do. Um... At least I've got, I'm getting the, like, when the episodes take place timeline. At least that's kind of working out for me, sort of. It's about to get real fucked up once we get to Rossi's personal episode, but that's fine. Okay. Back to the episode. Back the to crime. the episode that we haven't started talking about, yeah. We have. We have a little bit. So, back to the crime. 
there's a woman in Carrollton, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas, apparently. She's heading home. I said she looks like an architect. She's actually some sort of, like, corporate designer, interior designer, floor designer, They, they call her an person. architect, so. Yeah, yeah. So she walks up to the door. So we can see her front door, but there's, like, a plant strategically placed to keep us from seeing this, like, little window on the side. And so when she gets to it, there's a poster of her, a weird-ass picture, and it says, have you seen me on it? And she's like, what the fuck? Can I just say something? Later they say, he must be tech savvy because that poster was me on the computer. That made me laugh too. Like, I was like, are you sure in 2007? As a child of the internet age, and you yeah. even more so, I cannot tell if what they are saying is like accurate for the time period or not. Like I made a face my I made my Facebook in two thousand and seven. I was like eleven or twelve. I was in middle school. Here's here's a better question. What year do you think Adobe Photoshop came out? I don't know, like two thousand and three. Nineteen eighty seven. Photoshop fuck? has existed in some way, shape, or form since nineteen eighty seven. You want to tell me that you think somebody can't fucking lasso tool, erase the background, have you seen me up top? 30 years. Photoshop had existed for 30 years when this show came out. 30 years? Are you kidding me? I get that it, like, wasn't, like, obviously, uh, obviously a Photoshop or... Photoshop got bought by Adobe in the mid eight in the late eighties, I think a few years after it technically came out. But and I know that it wasn't fucking ubiquitous until whatever. You can't be like 2007, he has to be tech savvy. Come on. Microsoft Paint came out in 1985. <laughs> even earlier. But I think I think part of it is like you know, we're young. We were young people growing up with computers. To be an adult and learn that stuff like fresh, yeah. You know, like it's when kids try to show me how to like when Snapchat came out. I was like, I do not know how to use this, and it took me a hot minute. I was like, this is weird as shit. I don't get it. But so imagine like having no computer experience. Yeah, and like I, mean, I we, get that. But also, it's very basic. This is the most basic thing you could do. Also, they were like, they were like, you can buy a cell phone interceptor at any store. And they're like, he has to be tech savvy because of the interceptor. And I was like, all he has to do is walk into a radio shack and be like, I want a cell phone interceptor, please. Do you have something that can do this? And they would have been like, okay, yeah, here. So it's not like that insane Dad, no and remember the remember in um children of the dark the guy had the little thing that like turned off cell service yeah the little and cell they were like yeah they didn't call him like <laughs> text Tech JJ was like yeah you can buy it anywhere <laughs> just stupid okay the woman goes to the cops she's on a first name basis i didn't like this but she's basically like your wife told me to come talk to you and the cop is like look it's probably a 
praying, gets close to Halloween, and obviously, like, you're not missing. Look, you're my wife's friend, so I'll go check on you after work. And I was like, what if she wasn't your wife's friend? I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. That's, yeah. It's yeah. that his and- wife is besties with this lady, and so he's giving her special treatment. Like, okay. The okay. sky is like, literally, Water is wet. Gets- what do you want me to say? <laughs> He gets to the house and he's on the phone with his wife and he's like, I'm literally here because she's your best friend. Yeah. And I was like, okay, piece of shit. Like, also, that's an actor that has been in everything. That guy? Oh, yeah. I forget what his name is, but he's been in like fucking everything. His name is uh, Michael O'Neill. Anyway, he the house, the, there's another poster on the door of the house when he gets there and the door is open. So he's like, oh gosh, I gotta go inside. And... He walks through the living room. There is the creepiest painting on the wall. I sent you a picture of this, and I was like, what is this supposed to be? Like, did he purposefully fuck up this painting, or does this woman just love spooky ghost shit in her house? Because this painting is terrifying. This painting is some real, like, Saturn eating his son shit. For sure. Like, That's why I was wondering, I'm like, what... I was wondering if it was like a, this guy, he brought his own painting. <laughs> Did he bring his own painting to this house to make She's it spooky? She's just actually very into creepy things. She's actually like a purveyor of creepypasta, actually. In the finest <laughs> internet age to enjoy creepypasta, 2007, she was like on yep. that shit. So fucking funny. Uh, the important things are like her papers were on the table. There's like unfinished dinner plates and stuff and then he gets to her office she she finishes her dinner and is like about to wash it because the faucet is still running right the next to the sink and then he goes into her office and there's like a bunch of fucking posters and then the plain white mask and it's like one and then it's the music god bless god bless i miss the theme song okay we've been in too much of evolution land I know, I miss the theme song, I love it. I'm gonna make that my fucking, like, morning routine. Just listen to the Criminal Minds theme song in the morning to wake up. I'm gonna make that my ringtone. Okay. Then Since we go to does anybody the ever call you? Sorry, that was really rude, but, like, do you have your phone not on vibrate? Who are you? No, it's always on silent. No, it's absolutely <laughs> always on silent. Okay, I was like, damn. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I'm I'm a, a millennial, a young millennial. Of course, my phone is on silent. Exactly. Okay, so we're at the BAU. Reed comes in with like a Frankenstein mask and he has like a head in a bag and a noose around his neck and he's all like, it's all Hallow's Eve's, folk. folks. Yay! So it's the 30th, October 30th, 2007. And then he like scares Morgan, who's like, Halloween creeps me out. I don't like people in masks. And Reed's like, that's the best part. You don't have to be who you are. And Emily's like, yeah, that tracks for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and then Derek's like I like Halloween because you get to like put on a scary movie and curl up with the Halloween honey and Emily says ew no I'm creeped out Halloween honey can I just say that I do think it is funny that they have Derek mention a Halloween honey instead of like slutty Halloween costumes 
I That's love a good it. Point. But I also don't know. I wasn't alive in, or I wasn't like cognizant in the early two thousands. Jesus. Um, did slutty Halloween costumes were they always a thing, or was that like yes. a two thousand ten after kind of recent trend? You know what I mean? No, it it was always a thing. Absolutely. Okay. Then I like that they had Derek mention a mention a Halloween honey instead of slutty Halloween costumes. Shout out to good guy Derek. I think it is cute that he's like, I like going home with a woman, having dinner, and then we cuddle during a scary movie, you know, and then we have a little yeah. Halloween honey fun. It's like, okay, Derek, get it. <laughs> also, I did put some pictures of Emily for your enjoyment. God bless this fucking woman god <sighs> she's so hot she's so, she's so hot. hot and for what and like for what how dare she imagine just looking like that Ugh. also she's wearing oh, the wee okay she's wearing emily outfit boop, 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 emily outfit check she's wearing this like dark purple dress that's got like buttons all the way up the front with like a little belt and like the sleeves are rolled up and it's very cute and then she's wearing the most god awful gold shoes with like <laughs> super little gems so like high heel slip-ons and i'm just like what is your problem why are those shoes ever anything anyone wore ew okay yeah rossi walks in and they're all like oh shit he's here <sighs> and her lipstick matches her dress She's so true. So and f- again, she's so hot. Yeah, I know. And like, for what? Her hair is all curly. Oh, God bless. Okay. Rossi comes in, and they're all like, oh, shit, be normal. And Reed, like, takes his mask off. <laughs> and Strauss, like, walks Rossi to Hutch's office, and they both just, like, look at her, and she's like, okay, bye. <laughs> and the last time they saw each other was three years ago, they had dinner together, apparently. But the last time he saw, last time Rossi was at the BAU, it was hot sharing a desk with two other agents in that god-awful bunker. And then JJ walks in. And JJ's like, it's so nice to meet you, sir. What an honor. Hotch, like I'm ready for the briefing. And she says, I'm the communications liaison. I'm the go-between between the team and the rest of the world. And she leaves. And Rossi goes, wow, we certainly didn't have that 10 years ago. And Hotch looks at him and goes, have what? And he goes, a communications liaison. And Hotch is just like, right. <laughs> I like that Hotch immediately is like, no old man bullshit today, people. Slap uh, your shit. I, he like slaps the back of his wrist for that one. And I was like, thank you, Hotch. I think it's a really interesting moment. Like it shows that Hotch isn't going to like immediately call him out for sexism because he does have some like, I'm giving you the chance to not say that. But at the same time, like, I think if Rossi had been like a hot blonde, you know, Hotch would have been like, absolutely not. We do not speak about our female coworkers that way kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I do like Hotch. Hotch is trying to, I think, walk that line between like reintegrating him into the team, but also treating him as special because he is. He's fucking David yeah. Rossi. He's been doing this a long time. He has a lot of great insight. Thank you, Grandpa, for your service. But good God. But good God. 
This episode, and I make notes of it throughout, Hotch is, like, very aware of what Rossi is doing. Like, he knows that Rossi is withholding. He knows that Rossi is purposefully, like, coming up with his own theories and things. And he's like, but he's not going to say anything because it's his first day, and it's David Rossi. But he's not, also not letting it just, like, slide either, you know? Yeah. 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 I like that. It's it is a it's a hard line to walk between like I do not I do not think that Hotch would put up with any of that male let's talk about our female coworkers in a sexual way bullshit. Like I mm-hmm. do not think Hotch would do that. Yeah, he wouldn't. Yeah, but at the same time he recognizes that like he kind of has to play with this new member of their team and he has to like respect that he's been here for a long time while also like staying in his position of authority. So I think that Hush does a really good job this episode kind of like taking note of everything, aware of the problems, keeping an eye on him, but he doesn't say anything until like he has to. Yeah, but I also think the problems sort of uh, escalate much quicker than Hotch expected. I think yes. the, prom- the, the the situation spirals out of control really quickly, and it probably yeah. should not have spiraled that quickly. Like, if, any, if it was anybody other than Rossi, I don't think it would have happened that fast, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the or thing, that too. Like loudly. Yeah, I think if Rossi had just, like not really participated, kept his own notes, etc. Hotch might have given him a little time to get comfortable. But the fact that he not only released something that Hotch said not to release, but he went over JJ's head to talk to the media. Like, he didn't go to JJ and say, actually, let's give them the information. He just called the press. You know, and I think that that also, Hotch is like, that's not your fucking job. Like, we have JJ for a reason. Yeah, and I think that also comes from a little bit sort of like it ping-pongs between that like, oh, we didn't have that in my day and Hotch just right. very like side-eyeing him like you didn't have what? <laughs> you yeah. know, like I think it... Yeah. Those those two things sort of like ping-pong together to me. Yeah, and we know that Hotch is really protective of JJ specifically, I think, because she's so young. But in Ride the Lightning, you know, when JJ's like, listen, I'm a young blonde. I'm exactly, you know, what's his face, this type. I'm going to go talk to him. Hotch was very much like, don't touch her. Don't look at her longer than you have to. Like, just very protective. And I think this is another, like, facet of that, of, like, JJ can do her job. She, she is, you know, fully capable. And you went over her head yeah. to disobey me, you know? That he, like, didn't even respect, like, JJ enough to go to her first, you know? So yeah, exactly. I think it's a exactly. mix of things. Yeah. So then they go to the bullpen, and Rossi gets introduced to everyone, and Reed just starts, like, babbling, and Hotch is like, slow down. He will be here a while. It's okay. And then they're like, yeah, let's get the jet. And Rossi's like, we have a jet? <laughs> it's very funny. Also, okay, this Rossi showing up, is when we finally start getting, like, the Emily Ross Morgan, like, sibling behavior, which I'm obsessed with. Next episode is, like, such good sibling behavior from the three of them. <laughs> no, I absolutely love it. No, I'm obsessed with it. 
and JJ like participates, but it is truly the three of them. Emily's the oldest, Derek's the middle brother, and Reed's the baby, and I love it. It very much is a sibling dynamic, and I think that sibling dynamic really only comes into play once you have Grandpa there for them to like yeah. bounce off of. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Gideon was like a non-entity. Like, yeah, exactly. he was the leader of the team, and like, yeah, he was a profiler, but he didn't like interact with them in the way that Frosty does. You know, and yeah. I think also, yeah, and I think also that like this is when we really see that Emily is a part of the team now. Like, I know she has been, but like. She's no longer the newest person, you know? So she has a little bit of, like, clout there. Yeah, and she feels like she's, you know, she wouldn't be next out. You know what I mean? Like, last in, first out. Sort of like, she wouldn't be the next one on the chopping block, which I think helps her. Yeah, but it's also a weird situation, too, because Rossi is so much, like, yeah, he's the newest, but he's, like, David fucking Rossi, you know? Exactly. so I think she has to like, kind of like feel out how she's doing. But Reed and Morgan like, you know, provide her that security. Okay. In the briefing room, JJ is like setting out new notebooks and pens for everyone, like in their spots. And I was like, this is new. I wonder if they just like, she noticed that everybody has, um, they are. They all used all of their notebooks before, and she was like, "Fuck, I gotta get, I gotta get new notepads for Rossi to come in today." Like, I know she's probably like, "I need Rossi to seem like I need him to think that we're like on top of our shit." Okay. Yeah. So she's giving the like presentation. Basically, the poster was found October twenty seventh. It's now the thirtieth. She recaps the scenes from earlier with the posters and the police. And then Morgan's like, yeah, Halloween makes everybody fools. And Reed and Emily both give him, like, side eye. <laughs> and then... JJ Alpha check. Fuck, she looks hot in this outfit. The dark blue button-down? It is what a, like, skin-tight dark blue button-down with the sleeves rolled up. And then, like, a polka dot pencil skirt. Okay, work. Gosh. Work, She's bitch. so attractive. <laughs> I hate it. She's so attractive. She and Emily are both in the, like, last night's under eyeliner era right now. And I'm so into it. I love that you have named their eyeliner eras. I think that's a fun... Yeah. That's just not something I ever notice. So it's very fun that you keep track of all their makeup eras. That's me. I'm the, like, show me their face... Oh, that outfit and makeup combo, like that hair and makeup combo, that's season four. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. Okay. So they say the body was found like earlier today in a small creek. She'd been sexually assaulted and her face had been removed. They do and, say removed. Like they say removed and it says the edges of the wounds were smooth. So it was done with a sharp instrument and not like animals and also there was water in her lungs so she was thrown into the river alive which means her face was taken off while she was alive yeah yeah it's rough that's a rough one that's a rough one that's a real rough one it's not great it's not good and then penelope penelope comes in and goes oh what is that and like holds up a thing and she's like jj is like gone and jj changes it and she's like yes yes you're safe it's very cute. 
Which I think is very cute. Because again, we've spent we've said this so many times. Um Garcia doesn't like this. You know? Yeah. Like she doesn't. Like her whole sort of personality on the job is very much a direct trauma response to all the shit she sees. Yes. And so I do like this. Yeah, I, I like that this is like a through line, you know, and like she's so colorful and fun because of how much she hates this. And I, I think it also shows like how committed she is because it's like she doesn't like looking at these pictures, but, you know, she likes the people she works with and she likes helping people. So she stays on the job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. And then Penelope's like, there's about 117,000 residents. It's a diverse population. It's in the file. Nice to meet you, Rossi. Goodbye. She leaves. She never does this again. <laughs> yeah. I think this was just her way to get to see Rossi before they leave. Oh, yeah. She never gives them info like this again. Uh, yeah, she just wanted to see Rossi, for sure. And then Rossi says, she's different. And Hodge goes, you have no idea. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, uh, Gotch writes. Okay. Emily is like, this guy psychologically tortures his victims, and then he physically tortures them. The white mask says one, so it's the first one. And the mask is called a false face, worn around Halloween and Mardi Gras. And so Emily is like, you know, is the importance than her face? Like, is he mocking her with the mask and taking her face off to like destroy it, etc. And JJ says the local media already has the story. It like broke big, and they want you to stop at one. And Hotch is like Rossi, if you want to take some time, and he's like, fuck you, I'm going. And they don't say wheels up. They say get your bags. We're going to Texas. Yeehaw, besties. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. The local cop guy is watching the news, and the news anchor, I swear to God, they use the same news anchor no matter the location. It is that Asian woman. Kelly Every Kirkland? time. Let is that see. a real news anchor? No, she's an actor. Let me just see oh. how many episodes of Criminal Minds she's in. She... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking at her IMDb page. She has made a career off of playing a news anchor. Um, <laughs> this is the only episode of Criminal Minds she's in. Really? Uh -huh. She looks just like the news anchor from the Florida bomb episode. Won't be fooled again. She looks just like that news anchor, I think. Different people. In my head. Wow. All news anchors look the same. Okay. She she says that they've named it the Have You Seen Me Murder. Okay. I love this. I the love guy's this on the phone. He goes, where do you get this stuff? I'm sorry. I'm not talking to you, Agent Jerome. And I was like, how often do we get to see like the local police on the phone with JJ? I also like that this is... This episode happens right after David Rossi was like, why do we have a communication specialist and then it right. immediately proves why they have a communications liaison yeah. like <laughs> it's very much like asked answered shot yeah, chaser like, done he goes over her head he doesn't think it's particularly important and then um immediately he fucks around and he finds out <laughs> yeah very sure. much a fuck around find out people moment Absolutely. like it's very funny 
Peepaw Pasta. Instead of Papa Pasta, he's Peepaw Pasta. <laughs> I hate it. Okay. I was like, JJ must be on the other end of the line. He goes, where the hell do you get this stuff? And she goes, excuse me? And he's like, sorry, I'm not talking to you. I'm just like, JJ's like, sorry, are you talking to me like that? Or She was like, I know you're anyway. not talking to me like that. Yeah, I know you're not talking to me like that. Absolutely. So the reports say that the woman got the flyer on Tuesday, which means today is Friday, and the team is flying overnight, and they're going to arrive the morning of Saturday the 31st, which is What time of day is it when they get the briefing? (laughs) I was just about to say, does David Rossi start work at like 7 p.m. on a Friday? It or, cannot be that long of a flight. It's, it's like a four-hour flight from D.C. to Vegas. I cannot imagine it is that long of a flight to fucking It's like, Texas. what, maybe five hours, something like that? I remember when yeah. I went from Minneapolis to Florida, it was like five, six hours, maybe. Yeah. Cannot be that long of a cannot flight. Cannot be that long. Here's what, I think, here's what I think is happening. I think Rossi came in at like noon or some shit. And because, of course, Rossi came in at noon. Duh. And I think they are flying. They're like, they do the briefing sometime around one or two. And then they fly and then they just go to the hotel, sleep, and then come in in the mornings because they don't know oh. there's a second one yet. That's and a if good they point. No, so do, they if, they, if they did know that there was a second one, if they had another report of a poster, I think they would have started that night. But I think because they don't know that there's another one yet, because that lady goes missing that night, but they don't know about the posters until the next morning. Hold on one second. Let me look up what outfits they're wearing on the plane, because I can tell you. I think they might go home and sleep and then leave early and get there in the morning. Because, hold on, let me look at the plane scene, the but, plane transition. But then what are they doing for the rest of the day at the office? <laughs> Are they going to, do they go home and have orders to sleep for dinner? Like, do they go in to sleep at 5 p.m.? What? Hold on a second. Yeah, I guess when they're at the office, it is daytime out the windows. But when they're flying, it is sunrise. They're flying at sunrise. So maybe they do just, somebody's doing Rossi's onboarding paperwork with him that morning, <laughs> that day. Yeah, it's daylight out the windows, and then when they're on the plane, yeah, they're in different clothes on the plane, so they, they, I think they had their briefing, and then they went home, slept, and left, like, at dawn to be or there in the earlier. morning. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because, again, sense. they didn't have a second one yet, and they didn't have a report of any posters or anything yet, so... Right. And also, like, Rossi could have, like, come in at the end of the day just to say hi, because Hotch is even like, you can take some time. And he's like, no, no, like, I'm fine to get started on this. So it could be, like, later in the day on Friday. And Emily's in an outfit that suggests that it's, like, a paperwork day. Like, she's, like, in her dress and, like, slip-on shoes, you know? Yeah. That's a paperwork day outfit if I've ever seen it. Yeah, because she can just kick her shoes off and just, like, hang out, you know? Exactly. So it's probably, like, end of the day on Friday... And that makes sense because that's why they're talking about, like, what are you going to do tonight? Because it's, like, the night before Halloween. 
Yeah, that's why he calls it, that's why Reed calls it All Hallows' Eve. Or, he calls it some, he calls it the actual name of the night before Halloween. No, he calls it All Hallows' Eve. Is that it? Okay. Because I thought All Hallows' Eve was... Was Halloween. Was Halloween. Exactly. I thought so, too. Yeah, it is Halloween. Um, But it doesn't make any sense because they're shown giving candy out. That night when they rescue What's-Her-Face, yes, they are shown to be giving candy out. Does yeah, all of this episode Halloween. in Texas have happen over the course of a day? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yes, it does. He might have called it All Hallows' Eve Eve, which makes sense. Anyway, doesn't matter. They arrive in Texas the morning of Saturday, October 31st, 2007. We see a woman, uh, so that they... They say that's when they're going to get there. That night, that night, the same night as the briefing, a woman is walking the dog. The kids are like throwing eggs. And she's like, I never much understood what eggs had to do with Halloween. Which is so true, Queen. <laughs> Which is like, correct. And then she sees her own flyer and she goes, like, what the fuck? That's me. And then she like, grabs her dog and runs off. <laughs> and I love this woman. I love this woman so much. She's yes, like, absolutely. I took my dog, I ran, I bought a shotgun. That's it. Like, okay, she's absolutely. so true, Queen. She's so correct for that. She's so she's so right for this one, girl. Then we cut to the plane in the morning. Rossi's like looking at the bracelet with like the three charms, and he has this like terrible flashback of like three kids and blood. And I think we were watching the same rip of the show. Do we show. have the same terrible Canadian rip of this? Did you see the yeah. Amazing Race advertisement under the under Rossi's yeah. trauma flashback? So it's like this terrible flashback with like blood splattering and the kids cowering and all this stuff and then on the bottom it's like the Amazing Race. Watch it on CTV. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. We must have the same Canadian rip of it because I noticed at the beginning that it, it has the Canadian TV rating system instead of the American TV rating system, which yeah, I just thought was In the was corner, funny. you'll see in the corner of all my screenshots, it says CTV. CTV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also have the DVDs. I just don't have them with me. Okay. So Rossi's looking at his bracelet. That's a terrible, the amazing race. And, and then they're on the plane. And the team is going over victimology. And Rossi goes and like sits on the couch and the entire time they're talking, he's, like, scribbling in his little notebook. And Hosh just keeps being, like, anything to share with the team. And he's just like, no, no, just thinking. Bye. Here's what we learn. Michelle, the first victim, is single. She lives alone. She is not dating anyone. She has no boyfriend. She has no ex-husband. Nothing. She's a workaholic. She's a loner type. She never leaves her house. So how is she stopped where she stopped huh and rossi goes interesting and then like writes it down and when he's like just thinking jj like looks at emily and is like okay. well, <laughs> i it. think all of them kind of catch up catch on pretty quick yes i think they all like know something is up but they like trust hot to deal with it okay they're like maybe he approached her she rejected him and he hurt her out of revenge and then they're like you know the mask is blank it's not really showing anger it's not showing any emotion and morgan's like i mean he took her face off it's hard to believe that wasn't done in anger and this is when they say that she designs office spaces she didn't have any private like clients that she would have talked with online 
And then we see Rossi taking notes again and Hotch being like all like side eye at him. Okay. Right as the BAU walks in, JJ like reaches her hand out to say her like, I'm Agent Jerome, we spoke on the phone. And instead the cop is like, we got a second one and just holds up the picture. Um, it's Enid White, great name. Her roommate called Dallas PD because she never came home. And the Dallas PD found posters in a two block radius around her apartment. And so Morgan and Prentice are going to Michelle's house. Hot and JJ are going to talk to the roommate. And Rita and Rossi are going to walk the scene. Great. Morgan and Prentice go to the house. The houses are really close together. So it's like, how is he going to take her without being spotted? There's not a lot of cover. And then they do this really cool, like, the camera goes, like, around them in a circle. And as it, like, goes around their bodies, it, like, turns to nighttime. I enjoyed that. It's a really... We haven't... We got a few of these cool transition scenes this up. I was like, ooh, okay, we we're using that spinny camera shot again. We're Use using the that the camera. circular dolly. Let's go, gentlemen. Let's go, do it, gang. Do it. Absolutely. So then they're talking about, like, what kind of car does he drive? You know, he has to have a car that's, like, big enough that he can take these women, but small enough that they don't attract attention. But at the same time a strange vehicle in your neighborhood right before someone goes missing would be noticed. Same thing with someone just like standing in front of their house. So they're like, he didn't watch them from here. And I'll go ahead and say that we see them later. Morgan is like hiding in the bushes in the back of the house. And Emily's like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to see you at all. Oh, also Emily's also wearing jeans with Rossi. We didn't mention Rossi's jeans. Rossi's fucking light wash grandpa jeans. (laughs) Fucking good God, man. I thought he was supposed to be fashionable. Italian Stallion in those light wash jeans. He and Gideon both. Stop calling him the Italian Stallion. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. No. If we were in the same studio together, I'd be whacking the back of your head for this one. Oh, yeah? Come on. That's, that's, that's like a, that's a whap for sure, dude. I fucking, stop calling him the Italian Stallion. He's old. He's going to throw out a hip. So then... They decide that he must have been sitting in the bush. Oh, can you explain this to me? Mm-hmm. They like look at some like dents in the dirt and are like, he must have come here a lot. I think it's because it is really compacted in the ground. And also because aren't there like, isn't there like some trash and stuff there? Or am I thinking about another stalker episode where he watches them from the bushes? Yeah, I think you're thinking of another one. I didn't see any. I didn't think that I saw any. But, you know, maybe I did. I mean, I also assume just because there's a lot of them around and they're very deep, like... Maybe he put things there. I don't know. I I thought it was just footprints that they were, like... They were analyzing based on the fact that there were a shit ton of them. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so that's all happening. JJ and Hotch go to where the posters are being taken down. Oh, this whole episode is very, like, anti-the media. Did you notice that? Again, kind of a fuck-around, find-out episode for Rossi. Yeah, it's just, like, interesting that, like, the media gave them a name and they don't like that. And, like, the media is sensationalizing it. Well, they never really liked the media. Like, let's not... (sighs) Yeah, it's, like, (laughs) 50-50. Sometimes they use it, like, in a certain way and have JJ, like, do something with them, you know, for the press conferences that accuse those, but... When they're not, like, giving press conferences and talking to the medias, then the media tends to, like, 
work against them. I think usually, usually, bar like one or two specific episodes, I think the media is always painted in a pretty bad light with them. So then this is what I think is interesting. JJ talks to the policeman, who I assume is the Dallas like detective on the case. And he's like, yeah, so weird about the mask. And he, the cop is like, what mask? <laughs> he doesn't know about it. Which I they like. I like it because they haven't found Enid, right? So like no one reported the mask the first time and there has been no second mask. How would he know? So they decide they're going to like keep it quiet as like sometimes cops will hold back information so that when the killer comes forward, they'll be able to like confirm it because like nobody else would know those details kind of thing. So they're going to keep the mask private. So then the cop has already spoken to Enid's roommate who said that he has a routine that Enid has a routine with walking the dog. She always goes the same time, the same place. So she would definitely have like seen these posters before she was taken. And then JJ does a really good power stance where she like pushes back her blazer and like puts her hands on her hips. And I was like, hell yeah. That's so true. Queen and then Hodge Hodge turns around. His face is so close to the camera. He turns around and he's like, where's the dog? She got taken when they were walking the dog. So where's the dog? I love when Hotch does actual detective work. It's very funny to me. Absolutely obsessed with it. Okay, Reed and Rossi go with the local cop to where the body was found. And Rossi's like, I just want to stand where she was. And then out of nowhere, Rossi is like, hey, Reed, are old files like still around? And Reed's like, oh, yeah, they're mostly digitized. You know, back in your day, you interviewed like what? Something like 35 serial killers? Now we've interviewed over a thousand offenders. I can go through it with you, blah, blah, blah. And Rossi's like, sounds good. And just, like, walks away. <laughs> Rossi's like, okay, kid. And then the local cop says that he feels guilty because, like, he didn't take it seriously. And, like, she had time to make dinner before she was taken. Like, if he had gone earlier, he, like, could have saved her. And he's, like, feeling guilty about it. Which, like, fair... But also, like, we learned later that the guy is, like, watching the cops' movements. So it's like, you know, could he have gone there sooner? I never really understood how this dude was watching the cops. I never, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't understand it either. It doesn't make any sense. Truly does not make any sense. Then Rossi says the most bullshit bullshit. Water obliterates a body destroys evidence and he's got his like leg up high on some log and he's what like imagining dance talk about a power stance this is an old man power stance for sure and then rossi says but you weren't in the water that long were you michelle and we learned that like she had rocks on her but she floated up anyway so like the unsub was bad at hiding her and then they talk about Gary Ridgeway, the Greenway killer, and how, like, he didn't care. He didn't weigh the bodies down because he didn't care if they were found or not. Ergo, this person cares because there's a connection to him. We go back to the precinct. Rossi is taking more notes. Hotch is still giving side eye. JJ's also there looking very nice. Great. She's so pretty. Yeah. So we say that, like, okay, Michelle was taken on the 27th. She was found on the 30th. The unsub kept her for, like, three days. And then they get a call that Enid's card, credit card, was just used to buy a shotgun. Hodge goes, she can buy a gun that easily? And the detective goes, this is Texas. 
Also, can't you buy a gun that easily in most states? Especially in 2007? I was going to say 2007. Well, I think actually 2007 was closer to 911. So maybe like... But Texas had no... They didn't have to search your name. They didn't have to do anything. Also, nowadays you can like go to a gun show and just buy a gun and they'll just like under the table not do any checking on it. So like... Yeah. But I think if you buy a gun at like Walmart or whatever, they have to scan your ID. Do you need a license? I think 2007 was closer to 9-11, so it might have been a little stricter in some places, but at the same time, like, you can still buy a gun really easily. Like, literally, of course you can. So then JJ goes to find out if it was Enid who bought the gun or the unsub. Like, she's going to look at the security footage. Irrelevant. Enid calls immediately and is like, hey, I bought a gun. She's so funny. Enid's so funny. I know. I know. I'm so glad they find her alive. Same. Same. So she's like, hey, I heard the cops weren't helpful with the first woman, so I'm protecting myself. I'm at a motel in Dallas. I'm about to fall asleep. They get there 20 minutes later, and the unsub has already taken her, and they figure out that, like, he's been monitoring her cell phone. There's more posters, and the mask says two. And it's different because this scene was rushed, which means he's going to make a mistake. Blah, 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 blah. And then he waited to take her until she made the call because he wanted the police to find the mask. We give the profile. I'm going to do the Hulk profile, and then I'm going to go back to this Rossi moment. The profile, he's like 5'11", 165 pounds, white, totally average. They roast this guy, this Hulk profile. Okay, he's exceedingly average. Nothing is remarkable about him. Average at his job. And they said that he has, it's hard to hold a victim for three days, so he probably has a house. And no one can describe him, even though people saw him putting up posters, because he's just, like, so normal-looking. And the reason he's so, like, angry is because he's overlooked. Oh, and here was another good transition. A guy, like, walks in front of the camera, and it, like, changes to Hotch at an office party. Mm-hmm. I like that. Again, they were so, on their shit for transitions this episode. Yeah, this is a good one. So they say that the uh, the unsub often feels like he is being overlooked on purpose, purposefully ignored. And the have you seen me isn't about the women going missing. It's about him. Have they seen him? Have they noticed him? It's the masks that are about the women. They're wearing fake faces because they're like pretending to ignore him. I don't know. And, you know, they think that he's going to contact them because it's this is all making him arrogant and he wants attention. So then they, the mask is on TV and Hotch is like, JJ. And she's like, Hotch, I didn't do this. And Rossi's like, I did it. I called them and I told them to show the mask and say that he's impotent. And Hotch is like, what the fuck? Can I speak to you in private, please? The way he's like, can I speak to you in private? Like, he, like, does the business version of you done fucked up in front of everybody. He's like, may I speak to you in private, please? Thanks. That's cool. Terrible. And I love it. And then... Basically, Hotch is like, we should trap and trace. It's faster than it used to. And, like, the detective doesn't know what to say. And Rossi's like, he's going to want to speak to us. And this is, I think you're right about the whole, like, he's not used to having a media liaison. He doesn't, like, get it. Because it seems pretty clear, like, Hotch has to explain to him, like, if we just show up and run the show, people are going to stop asking us to help them. We have to work with the cops and not just take over. You know, and Rossi's like, that's bullshit, you know. And 
I think that's interesting. And then JJ comes in and is like, hey, Garcia found something. And I included another picture for you. Her shirt is so low cut. This cannot be business casual. <laughs> I mean, it's Also, like- Rossi's light wash jeans cannot be business casual. They truly wear whatever they want and put a blazer over it. And that's enough. <laughs> But also, like, Rossi gets rebranded, like, next episode to Fashionable Grandpa. Like, immediately gets rebranded to, like, high fashion peepaw over here. And, like, I just... (sighs) I think, though, I think this team can get away with it. I mean, not JJ. But I think the rest of the team can get away with it because they're, like, running around in the field. Like, if Emily wants to wear jeans instead of dress pants, it's, like, understandable. Rossi came into the main FBI office in baggy light wash jeans. I think it's like um it is a message like about his character. He's like, I'm comfortable enough here with this job and I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm gonna wear fucking jeans if I want to. I don't know. Also Morgan is in his um like silky workout shirt era. God bless. He's in his very like shiny purple like button up and then his like hot workout shirts and i'm like yeah i love this derek era he like tucks in his Mm t-shirts it's like not even like tucked in it's just that like his belt you know like makes them look tucked in and god tomorrow more is attractive oh also congratulations man congratulations to shamar moore he just his wife just gave birth oh really he's a dad Officially a dilf. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I'm also so happy for me. I'm so happy for <laughs> me that I can finally call you a dilf. Absolutely. Okay. JJ comes in and says, Michelle found something. Michelle. JJ comes in and says, Garcia found something. Please enjoy this photo. Okay. She looks so good in dark red, and they don't put her in it enough. They like, really stick up the blue. Cause... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which also looks good. The blue looks good on her too. It makes her look like a you know snow fay princess. But she does really well in dark red. She does really well in like Emily's colors. Wow, I'm just saying if they share clothes, okay. And Emily's wearing blue this episode, so like that's a fun little whoops a doodle. Switched. Okay. So this is what we've learned. Guys, you guys made a connection. Michelle designed Tech Co, the company, which apparently exists. Imagine calling your company, yeah, we're the tech company. It's called Tech Co. Great. Why would you we're put a technological in a communications like that? company? Fucking bullshit. Tech Co. <laughs> Why would you put two K sounds like that? Whatever. Michelle designed three floors of Tech Co and even worked there until two months ago. And then they, like, show the office, like, the cubicles, the unsub calls, asking to speak to the FBI. And this is a scene that just, like, kills me. Rossi answers. It kills you. It's really just, like, Rossi yelling a little bit. Maybe it's... <laughs> Maybe it's my parental trauma. <laughs> I don't like it when <laughs> older people yell. But, like, other people are yelling all the time. You just don't like Peepaw yelling. <laughs> I don't like it when Peepaw yells and calls me a loser. <laughs> It's also so tame compared to what Rossi usually does. I know, I know. I don't know why this episode hits me the way it does. Whatever. It's because it's his first episode. I'm like, excuse me, sir, you don't get to yell yet. 
Yell on your second episode, not your first episode. Not your first episode, absolutely. And basically the answer is like, how dare you call me impotent? And Rossi's like, are you whispering because you're at work? And then he lies. And he's like, we have security tapes that show that you were in the station at the same time. This is what I went back and they didn't show him in the background. She's like, no. And then Rossi is like, I'm going to put your picture on posters and plaster it across the city. And everyone's going to see you. But instead of being scared, they're going to make fun of you because you fucking suck. And you're a big, fat, ugly loser. And Hotch like holds a hand up and Rossi holds a finger up and is like, oh, and Emily and Morgan and Reed are just like, uh, uh, uh. They're like, what should we do? Should we tackle it? What do we do? Yeah, and then the man's like, you've just signed Enid White's death warrant. And it hangs it up. And Rossi's like, oh no. And Hotch is like, so mad at him, glaring at him across the table. Oh. We do get another commercial here for CSI New York. But the camera quality in this scene is terrible. When they're in the car, like, racing towards Tetco, it's mm-hmm so bad like maybe it's like natural lighting i don't know what it is it is so bad in well, the scene their car scenes are pretty shit across the board for now because again this yeah. is still season three they are still recording this on a panasonic panaflex 35 millimeter camera they are recording this Terrible. on film and it has not been archived well and you can certainly tell because the jump in quality between season three and four is pretty big. But then the jump in quality yeah. between season four and five is fucking massive. Yes, absolutely. So that's probably like their car scenes always kind of look like hot dog shit. They kind of always look like hot dog shit. Yeah. You know, I've been always say- I've always been saying this. They kind of look like hot dog shit. Like, I think I've always said this, but they kind of look like hot dog shit. Okay, so then Hotch is like, well, you have the cameras, what does he look like? And Rossi's like, oh no, that was a fucking lie. <laughs> the guy's off his game. I needed to force him and like make him mess up. And then Hotch is like, you did that, but you also forced our hands. I don't know about this one. He just like tries to leave the building. The guy's just like, okay, bye. But then he does try and shoot them too. But also like But he already had a gun on him. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't know. I agree with Hotch here because this call comes in like immediately after they have learned the Techco information. Like they did not have time to process that because Rossi fucking jumped the gun and sent this off first. Like if they well, had just like they could have been in the building already when the call came through if Rossi hadn't fucking jumped the gun. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, Garcia came with, like, okay, Tecco is the, you know. Is the place. Is the place. He works at Tecco. Okay, she worked on these floors. So they could have, like, seven, eight, nine, you know. They could have had agents stationed there already. They could have already had the building locked down. Like, I'm I'm on Hotch's side here. People jumped the gun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, he absolutely did. He was so in the wrong. Because the thing is, is there wouldn't have even been a call if he hadn't put it on the news. They would have been able to sneak up on him. Exactly. You know, and instead they, they shot him. So 
Okay. Okay, then they get to the lobby, and Hatcha's like, okay, Morgan, seven, Francis, eight, read nine, try to get a name and a picture of the guy. Go. And Hatcha's like, okay, we should, like, we should go too. And Rossi's like, no, 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 he's in the lobby. Can't you feel it? These old like, men and their fucking instincts. I just Rossi's know Hatcha's like, annoyed with this old man's shit. Rossi is like, nah, nah, the, the, the vibe in this lobby is rancid. I can tell he's here. So then they like. If they, Rossi like, was their... like fifty years younger, he would have been like, "Vibe check this lobby, rancid, rancid." <laughs> so then they like start displaying their credentials because the unsub thinks they know what he looks like because they think they've seen the camera, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Hodge like takes out the like. So earlier in the episode, if you remember. When the facts came through of Enid's Have You Seen Me poster, Hotch said, can I keep this? And so now he pulls it out of his pocket and he unfolds it. And they're pretending like it's a picture of the unsub. And like pretending to like survey. It's really good. It's like fake him out. Reed is the, goes to the right floor and he goes to the guy's desk and it's like wrecked, but the guy's gone. And okay, here's my question. Is the lobby full of people because that's normal, or is it full of people because the FBI made the building clear out? I think it's full of people because people were like just trying to leave work and then they got told they couldn't, so they're just like hanging out in the lobby. That makes sense. I was just like, why is this lobby so full of people? But also, if you walk into any office building, there's always, like, a few people just, like, milling about the lobby. But especially if, like, everybody who wanted to go out couldn't, that, like, fills up pretty quick. That's true. Okay. So, they see a man turning away from them and, like, trying to hide and stuff. And he's heading towards the elevator. And then, okay, Reed goes up to the guy's computer and just pushes... A button, any button, and bloop. There's the picture of Enid's poster with the like. Have you seen me? I was like, why is that open on your work computer? Like, also read notoriously technologically illiterate, like notoriously yeah, he, so. He just happened to be like, hey, that's what happens that's if I press this button icon? without gloves yeah. on, like. Idiot. Sir? Yes. Absolutely. So then, like, they see the guy walking away. Rossi, like, pulls his gun out and is like, Sir, sir, sir. Then Hodge is like, calls his name. I forget what it is. I didn't Max Pool. Max Pool. And then the guy stops. And then Hodge also has his gun. And Rossi is like, It doesn't have to end here. And then we finally see, like, the unsub's face. And yeah, sure. He looks just like a normal white guy. But also, he looks like a fucking plastic doll. This man is terrifying. If I saw this man in the street, I'd be like, fuck me, dude. Get away from me. Sorry to um, Andrew oh. Kavovit, who plays Max Pool. Sorry, my guy. No, I think that was like on purpose. He does have a little bit, now that I'm looking at him, he does have a little bit of, like, a Patrick Bateman about him. Because obviously the guy playing him is handsome because he's an actor. 
obviously. He was on um, a soap opera, and I feel like his face is very soap opera. He has a gun. He has a gun. He brought a gun to work. How why? did he make it through metal detectors? It's post He's a fucking computer fuck? nerd. Yeah. Also, I hate to break to you, I don't have to go through metal detectors every time I go to work. And also, there weren't metal detectors in the lobby of this building. Oh. So I'm not surprised. I guess I'm used to being in D.C. Yeah, I think you might be skewed because you're in D.C., my guy. <laughs> this is Texas, dude. That's fair enough. Like, Oh, yeah, I guess Texas has the carry law. You're allowed to conceal carry inside. Yeah. But also, even in 2007, come on. It was Texas. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he, like, has his gun out, and Rossi and Hotch have their guns out, and then Morgan just, like, walks out of the elevator. I was like, why did they add this random, like, last minute? Like, what? He just, like, like, in any other show, I'd be like, oh, I bet, like, Shamar Moore just, like, walked out of the... Like, it was like, why are you here right now? And then Hotch goes, down! <laughs> They really do not do Hotch any favors when they slow down his voice. He's like, don't. Like, it's don't. so. <laughs> no, it's so funny. fucking funny. And like the face he makes, all of it is actually like fucking hilarious. Uh, and then Rossi does indeed kill him. And I was like, Rossi, you kill, you come back after 10 years. And on, on your, your first, first day? day, you kill a man. For come on come on dude absolutely not people's a little bloodthirsty <laughs> people said i've missed this <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so this guy's dead and morgan is like on the ground with his gun out like i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready and then the song starts playing the song good god i texted you as soon as this song started i was like this song is fucking wild so then it cuts to like uh oh then it's like is enid at his house i hope so he's dead there's no way that he can tell them where enid is if enid's not at his home address but like she is she's so funny i'm going home <laughs> to the place where i belong <laughs> where good love has always burned Enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking song. I don't even know what song. Why? I'm going home. I'm going home to the place where I belong. Home by Daughtry. Of course it's fucking Daughtry. Did you hear yourself? Of course it's Daughtry. I do like this moment, though. They're, like, bringing Enid out of the house on a stretcher. And in the background, you can say, see JJ, like, talking to media people. She's, like, giving an interview in the background. And I, I like that they added that detail. Like, let her do her job. Oh, yeah. so then the BAU is, like, passing out candy. Like, even Derek, obviously, he's, like, giving candy to the kids. And they're all having a great time. And then, okay, Hotch and Rossi, like, get in the SUV and drive away. And I was like, what about the rest of the team? And then once the ambulance moves, you can see Derek, like, getting into the other SUV with the other ones. But I was like, did they just, like, leave them in Texas? Also, sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Would your parents have let you get candy from a crime scene? 
You know what? <laughs> Sorry. Would your parents have let you do that? Because mine certainly wouldn't. Even if it was being passed out by... They don't even have, like, FBI vests on. Like, they just look normal. If it was, like, a police officer in uniform, I could be like, okay, not exactly tactful, yeah. but, like, this is Reed. Fair he enough. just looks like a guy. Would your parents have let you get candy from a crime scene? No. And then the kids are all, like, running down the street. That's a good point. Huh. Well? My parents certainly wouldn't. <laughs> Nine either. Okay, so we're back at the BAU. Reed, Emily, and Derek go to their jet. The Reed, Emily, and Derek go to their desks, and then JJ just has to like stand around with them because she doesn't have a desk there. But they clearly wanted to show like the team hanging out, and they're like ad libbing random shit. And you can hear like JJ go goes thinks a lot, and Emily goes, "They need to clean my desk." It was like you can like hear those two ad lib lines like very clearly. Like the boom was like still enough on them to catch. These that was lines. very clearly just Paget and AJ talking. Oh yeah, yeah, like make like, some shit up. So they were like, okay, and they just like are talking. They don't expect to be like mic'd, you know? Yeah, and they're <laughs> not mic'd. It's just the boom happened to it's be just close boom. enough. Fuck, that's yeah, funny. hilarious. I know. Okay, okay, we're on pinning. So we're in Hodge's office and Rossi says, like you said, the team shares everything and there's no secrets, nothing, whatever, but you're not telling them that you separated from your wife and child. And Hodge is like, that's personal business. That's like my business. And Rossi's like, I'm just saying, sharing's like a learned skill. The unpin is that he, he did tell Morgan that Haley left him. Several episodes ago, like after Scared to Death, Hodge is like, Haley left me. So like, so I don't know what the has. fuck you're talking about. So he like, he has. Old man yells at Cloud is also, what Rossi like, is doing here. That's none of their fucking business. Like yeah, there's a difference sure. between telling your subordinates that your wife is divorcing you and not talking about a case that you're specifically there to work on with these people. It's not the same, Rossi. Yeah. Rossi is very much, like, clearly of, like, the whole thing of, like, this is your family, this is not a job, it's a lifestyle, etc. Bullshit. And then Rossi's like, you know, it used to be us, like, working alone and not group thinking. And I'm just like, we don't group think. We're a team we think for ourselves and share it with the team rossi is a whole ass psychologist and he's like this is group thinking it shut the fuck up old man hate this guy shut the fuck up old man and the thing is he like nearly immediately gets better oh we also need to talk about the scene he had with penelope right we totally skip. okay we can do that at the very end because yeah. that i i think i want to have a longer yes. discussion about that one as well okay so no he doesn't get better immediately and this is what i was just he about gets to better say that after like, damaged yeah so but here's the he thing gets better in like eight episodes right but but let me let me say this he gets better because the team shows up to help him i think that emily Derek, and JJ, if they hadn't gone to 
what, Montana to see him. I think he would have left after that case finished. I think he came back to do that. I think he came back to solve this one case. Even while he's solving this one, he is hyper-focused on that case. I think if he had like solved it and it had been done, he would have been like, okay, I did what I did, came back to do, bye. You know, and like, I think the fact that the team showed up and was like, we're a team, this is a case to solve, we will help you, we're here for you, we're a team, made him be like, oh, like, I could actually be a part of something. It's bigger than just this one case, you know? I also think... Even how he, like, pitches it to Strauss is kind of like, I'm coming in because they need somebody right now. And I think everybody is sort of operating on the assumption that he will come work a few cases until they can find a replacement, train them, and then will leave. Because that's sort of like how he pitches it to Strauss. He's like, they need somebody. I'm here to help. Yeah, and he does say, I'm here to help. Yeah, I I do think... You know, and I think this is part of his growth, and we'll see this in the next few episodes, the way that he kind of, like, interacts with Derek and JJ to a lesser extent. I think that he, like, comes in to get something done, to finish his unfinished business, and I think that he would have continued to be this, like, selfish, rich jerk and just left if the team hadn't been so goddamn likable. <laughs> If it weren't for this this team and their meddling likability. I know. How dare these people become my family? But I but I think so, like even the way he's talking about this is like we used to go into the field alone, do our business, and come back. Like I think he comes back expecting to be able to like go solve a case. Yeah. And instead this team operates very differently than what he's used to, and so he pushes back because he came to do something he thought he was going to be able to do alone. And then he goes off alone and the team follows him, you know? And I think that like changes his mind. And that's when he realizes like, Oh, I could do this and like find some meaning in my life and be a part of something bigger. You know, he remembers why he liked catching killers. It wasn't just about like, I failed this one time and I need to fix it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, let's talk about this case with the scene with Garcia. When they're still at the Texas office, he calls Garcia and he's like, hey, I need information about this case from 95. And it's the murder of Diana and Richard Galen. And they had three kids. And he's like, I want this file. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll get you the information and send it to you. And he's like, no, 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 I'll pick it up when I get back. And she says, like, no, I can just send it to you. It's fine. And he's like, no, I will come back and I will get this physical file. And also, don't tell anybody about it. And she's like, okay, okay, I can do that. Can I say something? Please do. I don't think she keeps it secret. I think she at the very least tells Hotch that he's asking for this file and he's asking to keep it secret. The look on her face is so uncomfortable when he says, let's keep it between us. 
she like looks so suspicious rightfully so because it's fucking weird but i think she does tell somebody whether it's like hotch or jj or emily somebody i think she even just like tells them that they that he wanted this file i could see her going to jj and being like hey i'm coming to you as a friend like off the record you're my friend Rossi asked me for this really weird request and I don't know if I should do it or if I should like tell Hodge. And I could see JJ being like, you know, there isn't really harm in him looking up an old case. He worked here for a long time. It is weird that he wants to keep his secret, but he's also just kind of an asshole, you know? (laughs) And so like, and JJ's like, look, if anything comes of it, I can tell Hodge. I'll take that bullet. Like, it's fine. I could see that conversation happening for sure. Yeah. I just, I think, I think it would be very uncharacteristic for Penelope to not tell somebody about yeah, she Even if she just like tells Derek, like right. she would tell somebody, maybe not Reed, but like she would tell somebody <laughs> about this. Yeah. Because it I is weird JJ... and she rightfully calls it out as weird. Yeah. I think, I think JJ is probably the, best option for her to go to like Hodge is the boss so that's yeah. like a big step to take Reed no we're good to see and then Derek he's like you know sweet and nice and wonderful but he's also like macho tough guy and like she knows how he is around like other authoritative men so I and Emily she doesn't know that well yet so I could see it being JJ yeah, and JJ's sort of like a step out of the team structure, even though right. she is within the team. She's still like media liaisoning. So, like, she. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She and Penelope are on the same kind of like one circle. We're on the, from team, the team, but we're not on the team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, and I can see that. And they've known each other, like, they're the closest. So, I yeah. can totally see that happening. Yeah, it's a really so, yeah, point. I no, just. She definitely the does look not on her secret. face just says I told somebody about this and I don't remember if that's supported by what happens later I know Derek and Emily both specifically say like hey we could have helped if you would have told us but I don't know if JJ says anything similar or if JJ seems that surprised or not when damage happens I can't quite remember but uh, so I remember this scene JJ and Penelope are talking about something I'm not going to spoil and Emily comes in fresh with her bangs. That's the episode she gets bangs. And she goes into Rossi's office and it is destroyed. Like there are files fucking everywhere. And that's when Penelope is like, yeah, so he asked me for this specific file a while ago. And that's how they like find out and they decide to go after him. Yeah. That's the like thing. Oh, and the reason Hotch and Reed aren't there is because they're off talking to a serial killer. So there's right, like that's that episode. Yeah, it's like a split. It's like a split episode, yeah. Where Hotch is about to do his macho bullshit. Yeah. Oh god. He bless like takes Hotch off the coat. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh God bless. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. When I watched that scene, immediately I was like, oh, she's telling somebody. Absolutely. And that's the episode. Well, also we should mention Rossi takes Gideon's old office. Right, he walks in and it's like empty. I think later on he and Hotch must switch at some point. I stand by that I think 
they stay in this configuration. I, I stand, but you know what? When Emily becomes chief, she is in the office that he is in now. So at some point, they, you're right, they must switch. Like, they have to switch. Yeah, they definitely because do. Because also, we'll Gideon's when... is the bigger office. Right. So why would why would Rossi get it? He's just an agent. Right. That'll be a really interesting one to try and figure out. I guess we'll have to see when, when they, they switch, switch, if we can try and pinpoint the moment. Oh, we'll pinpoint it. Consider it pinned. <laughs> Consider it pinned and pointed. Consider it pinned, soon to be pointed. And yeah, that's it. That's the episode. Hey, James. Yeah. Scale of one to ten. What are you ranking this episode? Ugh. What are you ranking? It's the not old a man bad episode. episode. Old man does yell at Cloud. Um, it's not a bad episode. So I don't want to like. I don't want to rank it low. It's not just because I just like it. It's a good episode. But that's how rankings work, Bestie. You can certainly rank it low. I'm I'm gonna give it a seven. Give it a seven. That feels fair. I'm actually gonna go a little bit lower. Oh. I'm actually gonna give this one a six. Okay, me too. You're gonna go lower too? Do you want <laughs> I was to keep walking to us down? Low. I can keep stepping us down, Bestie. <laughs> No, I want to give it a six because it does. It, there's a lot in it. The transitions are really good. Transitions are you good. Know. The and case that, is like interesting, but I also like. Why yeah. was he writing one two on the masks? Did he have another person planned? Did he have a list? Did he have more than one or more than two? I mean, yeah, good, that's a good question. Did he have a list? He has some flaws. You so know what? I, I'm going to write this episode of five. Actually, I thought about it. Okay, me too. I thought about it. <laughs> okay, do you want me to keep walking us down? Because I no, keep walking I, us down. No, let's do five. It is a completely fine episode. This makes it the lowest ranked episode of the season. So far. <laughs> so far. Yeah, that feels uh, correct. Even lower than Scared to Death. Because at least Scared to Death was just not memorable. This one is like rossi derogatory you know what i mean it's memorable for being not good <laughs> and honestly if this had been in another season like one or two i would have ranked it higher but for season three yeah mid. yeah for season three's quality it's mid for sure that's it for this week on wheels up next time we are finishing evolution last two eps of evolution right yeah and IMDb does not have those names yet, so I guess we'll find out what fucking episodes they are. I was just going to say, we'll don't say out. what they're called. Don't say what I they're called. You're going to be I wrong can't. later. I can't even, I can't do it yet. Wait, let me can't double check again. Ones. Sorry, I will check again and see if they have updated it. They have, um, episode nine is according to IMDb, and we are recording this episode on February 4th, um, Episode 9 is called Memento Mori, and then episode 10 doesn't have a name yet. So, Memento we'll be watching Mori. Memento Mori, and then also <sighs> some other episode. Ooh. That's next week, though. You can find us anywhere you get your socials at Wheels Up Pod. You can also find email us at wheels up at uh, Bright Crown Media. 
gmail.com. Uh, and if you have a correction, give it to us either over social media or you can leave us a little voice message here on Anchor. Uh, if you would be so kind as to leave a uh, leave a Apple Podcast review for our show, or if you're on Spotify, you can rank us five stars. It really does help out a lot. Thank you, besties. As David Rossi says, well, this is getting boring. Ha ha ha!